What do we mean when we say that something is precious? We might talk about precious stones, seeing if they are of great value. We might talk about a family heirloom that's passed on from generation to generation. Of course, we mean that if it's precious, it has sentimental value to us and to our family. Or we might talk about our children. We talk about how precious our children are. And of course, we mean that they're extremely important to us and special to us. And when we talk about something being precious, we mean that we want to protect it. It's valuable to us. It doesn't necessarily have innate value, but it does have value to us, and we want to honor it, and we want to protect it at all costs. It's precious to us. Have you ever asked yourself, what is precious to God? What does He hold as highly valuable? as something important that He wants to hold to Himself and protect at all costs. Are you aware that you could very well be the answer to that question? You can be very precious in the sight of God. I want you to look in 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3, and we're going to begin reading in verse 1. I recognize, as we read this text, that Peter was specifically talking in these verses to wives regarding their roles in the home. But tonight, instead of looking at this as a wives text, I'd like for us to look at some of the general principles that are taught in these six verses that teach us about being very precious in God's sight, that teach us how to be ones that are important and valuable to God. There are four lessons that we need to learn as we read these. Read along with me in 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. In the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives, as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. Your adornment must not be merely external, braiding the hair and wearing gold jewelry or putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden person of the heart, with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. For in this way in former times the holy women also, who hoped in God, used to adorn themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. Just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you have become her children if you do what is right, without being frightened by any fear. As we examine this text, I want you to notice the very first key about being precious in the sight of God. If you want to be precious in God's sight, then the first thing you have to learn is do not focus on outward appearances. In 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 3, it says, Your adornment must not be merely external, braiding the hair and wearing gold jewelry or putting on dresses. We live in a society that is externally and outwardly focused. We live in a society that says when it comes to beauty, prestige, and wealth, if you've got it, flaunt it. That's what they tell us. If you want people to know how prestigious and powerful you are, then you can purchase any number of power clothes items. If you want folks to know how wealthy you are, then we have our choice of name brand designer clothes. If you want folks to know how fashionable you are, you can make sure to always dress in the trendy fashion. If you want people to know how sexy you are, 
You can always dress in the skimpy, skin tight, immodest clothes that are available. And when we dress in these ways, focusing on the outward and on the external, the folks in our society just eat it up. They love it. They'll pay attention to us. We'll stand out in the crowd and they'll look up to us and they'll honor us and they'll praise us. But we won't be very precious in the sight of God. In Luke chapter 16 and verse 15, Luke chapter 16 and verse 15, Jesus said to them, Luke 16, 15, You are those who justify yourselves in the sight of men, but God knows your hearts, for that which is highly esteemed among men is detestable in the sight of God. The things that our world and our society esteems, God does not esteem. And He does not look highly on those things. And so we must not focus on the outward appearance. Now, do not get me wrong. I am not saying that the Christian must look as out of fashion and as ugly and as awful as we possibly can. That's not the answer to the issue about with which we are dealing. In fact, those who strive to live in that way are making the same mistake that those who try to be as trendy and as sexy and as powerful looking as they possibly can. They're making the very same mistake just at the opposite end of the spectrum. What are they doing? Focusing on the external, on the outer. Just like the Pharisees did in Matthew chapter 23. In Matthew chapter 23 and verse 5 it says, But they do all their deeds to be noticed by men. For they broaden their phylacteries and lengthen the tassels of their garments. Doing things on the outside to be noticed by men. But notice also in chapter 23, beginning at verse 25, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you clean the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside they're full of robbery and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and of the dish, so that the outside of it may become clean also. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you're like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside appear beautiful, but inside they're full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. So you too outwardly appear righteous to men, but inwardly you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. This is what happens when we focus on the external. We might look good on the outside, but the inside gets neglected. How are we supposed to dress? We're supposed to dress in whatever way causes folks to look to the Lord and glorify Him. You can look in Matthew chapter 5. And verse 16. It says in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16, Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Don't focus on the externals. Don't focus on the outward appearance. Just live in such a way that folks can see you and see God. And when we do that, we will be very precious in God's sight. As we turn back to 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, we actually see the opposite, that instead of focusing on the external, if we want to be very precious in the sight of God, then what we need to put our emphasis on and the place in which we need to focus is the hidden person of the heart. There in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 4, it says, Instead of letting it be the braiding of the hair and wearing of gold jewelry and putting on dresses, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit which is precious in the sight of God. Focus on the inner man. 
on the inner person with a gentle and quiet spirit which is incorruptible, imperishable. Spirit here, according to Strong's Enhanced Lexicon, is the idea of the disposition or influence that fills or governs one's soul. Because what we need to be focusing on is our soul, our spirit. And it needs to be governed with gentleness and quietness and meekness. What does that mean? Well, Peter provides an example of some who are living with gentle and quiet spirits. He provides here, of course, because he's talking about wives and the way they're supposed to be living. He uses wives who live properly as an example of having this gentle and quiet spirit. He says, For in this way, in former times, verse 5, the holy women also who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, being submissive to their husbands, just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you become her children if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. Let's contrast that with the opposite found in Proverbs chapter 7 and verse 10. In Proverbs chapter 7 and verse 10, we find a woman, it says, Behold, in Proverbs 7:10, a woman comes to meet and dresses a harlot and cunning of heart. She is boisterous and rebellious, and her feet do not remain at home. Here's the opposite. What do we learn as we look at these contrasts here? We learn that the idea of gentleness and quietness is the idea of submissively accepting the role that God has given us. The opposite of that would be to boisterously and rebelliously turn away from it. To go our own way. To look for our own rights and our own desires and to be self-absorbed and focus on self-promotion and self-assertion. But the gentle and quiet spirit is the one that humbly, meekly, gently, quietly accepts the role and command that God has given. No matter who you are, no matter where you live, having the gentle and quiet spirit means submitting to what God has given you to do through His work. We need to recognize and understand that gentleness, quietness, meekness, as some translations put it, does not equal weakness. It is not the idea of living the way we live simply because we can't live any other way. It's not the idea of submitting because I can't help but submit. We consider our contrasting women in these two passages in 1 Peter chapter 3 and in Proverbs chapter 7. And what do we learn? Every woman in the world has the power to be that woman in Proverbs 7. Every woman out there can be boisterous and rebellious and her feet not stay at home and living that life that doesn't submit. That's within their power. But Peter points out that they need to choose to control themselves. And that's exactly where we are. In every walk of life, we all have the power to rebel against what God has set forth before us. We all have the power to be boisterous and rebellious and not allow our feet to stay in God's home. We can all go off and do what we want. We can promote ourselves. We can assert ourselves, focus on our rights and on our desires. But what God has said is we need to have this gentle and quiet spirit. We need to reign in our will. 
and focus our strength not on asserting ourselves, but on submitting ourselves to God and to His will. Following what it says in James chapter 1 and verse 19. This you know, James 1, 19. This you know, my beloved brethren. Everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. In our relationship with God, it is our responsibility to be quick to hear God, but slow to speak and slow to anger. And brethren, as we look at 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, Peter said that this beauty has an imperishable quality. This adornment is imperishable. It's incorruptible. The beauty upon which our society focuses fades and falls apart and fails. Jewelry tarnishes. Clothes fade and fall apart. Bodies age. Skin wrinkles and sags. And people are spending in our country billions of dollars a year to try to preserve that beauty which is destined to fail. And Peter points out that when we focus on the internal beauty of the heart, the hidden man of the heart, so the gentle and quiet spirit that submits to God, that is a beauty that never fails, never falls, and never fails. Certainly our society will not look at us as anything great, but we will be precious in the sight of God. And that's what counts. If we go back to 1 Peter chapter 3, the third lesson that we learn is that if we want to be precious in the sight of God, we need to have chaste conduct. Peter, as he was writing these wives, he said to them, talking about their husbands, as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. Paul, as he wrote a similar passage in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 10, beginning in verse 9, he says, Likewise, I want women to adorn themselves with proper clothing, modestly and discreetly, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly garments, but rather by means of good works as is proper for women making a claim to godliness. If we're going to be precious in the sight of God, we need to adorn ourselves with chaste conduct, with good, pure works. We need to live in purity. This is so much more than just making sure we go to church. This means that we live in such a way that people cannot question our chastity. They cannot question our morality, our purity. This affects the way we dress. This affects the way we walk. This affects the way we talk. This affects the way we behave in every aspect of our lives. We must be governed by chaste conduct. We recognize that that means we need to dress modestly. But it also points out, ladies, don't, don't be flirtatious. Don't give a reason to arouse someone. Don't be caught in a situation that's questionable, that provides for the lust of the flesh. And not only make sure that you maintain your purity, live and act and dress in such a way that those who come in contact with you 
are not tempted to fall from there. But chastity and good conduct is not just an issue for the ladies, but it's also for us men. Those tight clothes that accentuate the physique, catcalling, whistling at the women. You can't have that. Walking down the hallway in such a way to make sure that you can brush up against a woman or catch a glimpse of something that you're not supposed to see. These things are unchaste and impure. And we need to remove that from our lives. This word is used in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 3. In 1 John chapter 3 and verse 3, John says, Everyone who has this hope fixed on Him purifies himself just as He is pure. Everyone who has the hope in Christ fixed on Christ purifies himself just as He is pure. That's the same word as the chase in 1 Peter chapter 3. Here is our standard for purity, our standard for chaste conduct, Jesus the Christ. How do we compare to him? How would we act if he was right here by us? Would we have to try to cover up some body part that's exposed? Would we have to change the way we talk and the way we behave and the way we sit and the way we walk? Would we be trying to get away because he just makes us feel uncomfortable? Or would rather we be glad that Jesus is there with us? because we're wanting to purify ourselves and be like He is pure. We need to be precious in God's sight. And we become precious, valuable, important to God when we're conducting ourselves with chaste conduct. One final lesson that we gather from 1 Peter chapter 3. And this is really the crux of the matter if you go back to the chapter there. We recognize when it comes to some of the issues that this has brought up that we at times might like to set up standards that God never set up, draw lines that God never drew. And certainly those kind of things might be easier for us when we deal with the issues of congregational fellowship and discipline when it comes to issues of modesty and morality and purity. And yet God didn't set up those kind of standards. He didn't set up those kind of lines. But here in 1 Peter chapter 3, he demonstrates what the issue really is. And brethren, it is far more frightening than the opinionated arguments that we have about hemline and necklines. Because when we look in 1 Peter chapter 3, we'll notice what this purity is based on. In 1 Peter chapter 3, and verse 5, as Peter described these women that were adorning themselves just as God wanted them to be adorned with a gentle and quiet spirit, why did they do it? Verse 5, For in this way, in former times, the holy women also, who hope in God. You've got the New King James Version. It says they trusted God. When we deal with the issues of purity, modesty, morality, and chastity, these are not issues of drawing lines and checking boxes and making sure we're just going so far. This is all about do we really trust God? 
Because the ones who really trust God adorn themselves properly. And we may at times argue that the way we dress and the way we walk and the way we behave doesn't matter. After all, I'm still going to church. I still trust God. What this passage says is, if I am not living with purity, I do not trust God. The question is, do we trust God? Do we trust His way? Or is there a part of us that fears that if I do things God's way, if I live with God's morality, if I live with God's purity and God's chastity, and I allow Jesus to be my standard for how I live and walk and move and talk and behave, I'll miss out on something. Because that is what so many people today are afraid of. I'm going to miss out on all that the world has to offer. Brethren, let me tell you what the world has to offer. Eternal damnation and hell. And that's it. But being precious in the sight of God brings grace and eternal life. And you don't want to miss out on that. You can be the answer to this question, what is precious? in the sight of God. You can be the answer. But in order to do that, you must turn your focus away from the externals and put your focus on the internal, hidden person of the heart. Allowing that to affect your life, producing purity, morality, and chastity. But you're only going to do it if you really trust God. Do you believe that God's way is best? If so, the other things will fall into place. If you pull out your songbook, please.